0: Hey, Exchange Family, this is Exchanging Stories.
1: I was so wrapped up in myself. You know, that's the nature of sin. We are so wrapped up in ourselves that we never really fully comprehend the consequences of that to
0: others. Hey, in today's show, we're here with Jeff Wuchich. Hey, Jeff. Hi, it is a blessing to be here today. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, Jeff. And uh, there's a lot of uh, cool elements of your story about how the Lord has worked in your life and your family's life, but there's probably some at Exchange that don't know uh, who you are. And so uh, before we get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your family and uh, how you ended up at Exchange?
1: Sure. My uh, wife, Renee, and uh, son, Matthew, are my immediate family. Um, Renee and I have been married for uh, 18 years now, and Matthew will turn 15 in uh, July. Uh, how we got to uh, be at Exchange is actually a, an answer to the Lord's prayers, the prayers to the Lord, the Lord answering prayers. Uh, We had not been connected to a church family for over a year because Matthew has a uh, rare disease that presents with some physical and developmental and behavioral challenges. And so that made uh, finding a church family difficult uh, at best. And we had been praying for a church family. And then uh, not a week after doing that, we got a knock on the door and it was you and your son Brody, who's actually very close to Matthew's age. And uh, I remember you were, that day. Yeah, you were uh, very welcoming and uh, laid it all out to you to what uh, what our family was about. And you treated us as children of God, not as a problem to be solved, and mm-hmm. welcomed us with open arms. And the community did as well, and welcomed Matthew into the uh, Sunday school classes and helped him to uh, foster a love for Jesus um, mm-hmm. beyond what we, uh, you know, my wife and I do. And it's been a blessing upon blessing ever since.
0: Yeah, it's well, I mean, your family's been a blessing to exchange, Jeff, and in, in the way that you've uh, helped us in ways, uh, learn how to care for and love families and. Um, Intentionally, that have children with special needs. That's something that I've personally learned from you, and and I'm still learning from you. Renee has served on our stewardship team. Uh, Matthew comes in with a big smile most days, and <laughs> most days, uh, most days and, and offers that fist uh, for a fist bump, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, says hello. And so, uh, we're we're really grateful uh, that you guys are here, and uh, we're really grateful that you let us walk alongside of you. Part of your story, I, I mean, it goes way back, and of course I know this uh, by spending time with you, and, and it's one of the sections of the story that I want to share with the exchange because I think there's a lot of people uh, that probably share part of your story early on in walking down your road to faith and your road to Jesus is is your road to sobriety as mm-hmm. well. And uh, you've been sober for how many years
1: uh, it'll be 20 years And uh, August 11th So August 11th, uh, 2002 Is my sobriety date
0: Yeah, it, and the the road there uh, As we'll get into in a second Is an interesting one And one that you can literally see The fingerprints of God All over uh, In ways that Are sometimes humorous in the story And sometimes very sobering itself In, in those moments And I'm grateful that you've um, agree to to share that story with the Exchange today, because as I said before, uh, whether it's it's um, battling alcoholism or other battles, I, I think your story uh, just points us to the fact that uh, the Lord is is able to work in in all of our stories. And uh, watching yours is, is has been an inspiration to me. So, thanks for being here to share part of that today.
1: Sure. You would like me to go ahead and share yeah, that at yeah, this time? Yeah. Well, sure. I would
0: say, like, you know, one of those battles that you fought, um, being sobri- sobriety, um, it intersects with your faith story as well, uh, doesn't it?
1: It does. It does. I had, um, been away from faith for a long time in my adult, most of my adult life uh, until I turned 34. So from 17 years old to like 34, I really. Um, walked away from the church, because I have been raised Catholic. I went to a Catholic high school, got confirmed there, uh, then had kind of a a crisis of faith, if you will, Um, lots of uh, family events that happened um, when I was a sophomore in college, and I wound up leaving faith altogether and really Hmm. literally pouring myself into alcoholism and living a secular life, and that entailed a failed marriage, um, a lot of failed jobs, and I'll share with you then where, where this culminated in my my God story and how I came back to faith, and this happened in dealing um, in Atlanta with my ex-wife and some uh, uh, financial matters, I still need to read up, and then driving back, realizing I'm about to lose yet another job, uh, about to lose a girlfriend that I've been dating, Who that was a um, train wreck in and of itself. Mm. Um, and uh, losing the car that I'm driving and all these things as I'm driving in the middle of nowhere South Carolina are rattling through my head and I just start hitting the accelerator wanting the car to run off the road and that'd be really the end hmm. uh, but as that's happening I see a rainbow and remembering God's covenant and all the things I've learned in there, I ask for help if you're there God, help
0: as you're, as you're as you're as you're accelerating, as they're accelerating, yeah. So there's this battle going on inside of you. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's one is is really self-destructive, and the other one is just this moment of of, of kind of that rock bottom of just saying like, gotta. If you're there, you've got to help.
1: And he did, in the form of a state trooper, <laughs> So who pulled me off the road. You know, of course, uh, got arrested, uh, DUI, and. Uh, Spent the night in jail. And I spent the night in jail next to another individual uh, who had drove drunk that night and had killed somebody. And it never really occurred to me that I might harm somebody else. Mm-hmm. I was so wrapped up in myself. you know. And that's the nature of sin. We are so wrapped up in ourselves that we never really fully comprehend the consequences of that to others. And i like to say that that immediately woke me up and I went right to sobriety. No, I still struggled with that for another uh, 12 days. That was because that was July 30th of 02. But finally, on the morning of the 11th of 02, I don't know if that was that still small voice from God or, or what it was, but I was prompted to pick up the phone and call the uh, AA hotline here uh, for help. And that's where God really jumped into action. Mm -hmm. As it turned out, there was a meeting, an AA meeting at noon time, five minutes away from where I worked.
0: That same day?
1: That same day, yep. So I could go that same day, and it met every day at noon, so I could go every day at noon for lunchtime as opposed to what I used to do, which was to go to a liquor store. And uh, about a week after doing that daily, I went to my boss looking to see if I could have a few more minutes or how I could work out to have a little extra time after the meeting so I could asked for for greater help because I knew that I couldn't do it on my own. I tried to do AA on my own or try to get sober on my own a number of other times in my life and it never worked. And I knew I needed a sponsor and really needed to work the the steps and I couldn't do it myself. So I asked him if I could add some time for that and told him the whole story of what had happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know what prompted me to do that again. I think that was the still small voice from God but I didn't really attribute it at that time, but I did anyway. And um, that's really where God did for me what I couldn't do for myself because it turned out that my boss was from the exact small town that I wound up uh, arrested in, in South Carolina. And his dad was the judge in that town. Um, So mercy abound, grace abounded in that. And I was um, able to not... um, feel the full ramifications of that. But that was a catalyst then to realize that I could not attribute any of those things to anything else but God intervening when I asked, when I was ready. And um, that's what set me on the path to getting a sponsor and working the steps of the AA program and starting on a program of sobriety. Good gracious. And that brought me back to faith and and brought me back to church. So
0: how, how did that... That journey in sobriety intersect with your, your faith journey as well. And I know, like as God's working, you, you can see the steps all over this. You know, just His fingerprints. Whether it's, you know, the the boss whose dad is a judge in a in a really small county, hours away in South Carolina, who's able to vouch for you and say, like Jeff is going to AA. He's he's taking all the steps, and uh, you know. Uh, there's a lot of fingerprints we see, but even then you said like you weren't attributing, uh, some of those things to God at that moment. So when was it that you started to see God working and attribute things to him?
1: Well, it was, um, meeting my wife. Okay. And, um, well, you know, God has a, has an interesting sense of humor. Her maiden name was Godwin as in God wins. Wow. And I'll never forget that, you know, meeting her and just, she's a strong woman of faith and that. Uh, you know, and I was just prompted when I met her, which is interesting. We were uh, um, a match.com success story. So okay. it was God using technology to bring us together because uh, both of us were about to give up on that. And then it just happened that uh, God made that match through that manner. And, um, you know, her being a strong woman of faith, I just laid everything out on the line about what I was about. And she was willing to accept that. Mm-hmm. And that started a road, you know, now we've been married. Uh, Eighteen plus years.
0: Yes, that's incredible. And so, like, how how long into your sobriety did you meet Renee? And in-
1: I was uh, seven months sober. Okay. When we uh, first started talking, then we didn't go on our. We actually talked for uh, several. Um, months before we went on our first date. So I guess we were vetting each other before yeah, our, our yeah. first date. And then you know, from there, it was pretty much kind of love at first sight. And, okay. You know, not even a year together, we were married. And... Wow.
0: Now, I, I, you know, I've heard you talk about those those uh, 17 years or what would you say? How many years sober now?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm now um, almost 20 years okay. sober, but it was 17 years of drinking.
0: Yeah, okay. So in those 20 years of sobriety, um, what's been maybe some of those moments where you've been tempted to, to go back to it?
1: Uh, some of the worst times were when Matthew was first born. Uh, he had complications from birth and, um, we didn't know whether he was, living. they had to put him in a medically induced coma. Um, hmm. uh, but, uh, Fortunately, instead of grabbing for a bottle, I grabbed and called the pastor, called my sponsor, called my friends in AA, went to meetings when I could, even though Matthew spent the first 10 days of his life in the uh, in the hospital, half of that in an ICU and part of that ICU time in a coma. Uh, I knew that uh, without doing those things, I was going to be of no use to Renee or to Matthew.
0: Yeah, really community kind of helped. Pull you through those exactly those seasons where the the um, the mud of life um, surrounded you and, and made things really really heavy.
1: Right, and again, um, he was twenty months old. Uh, it was shortly after we got the clinical diagnosis of his rare disease, and they weaned him off uh, an epileptic drug, thinking maybe he didn't need it. Turns out he really needed it. He uh, wound up. Having a grand mal seizure, stop breathing. We were Goodness. blessed that we were already in the hospital when this happened because of other things he had going on. He had difficulty breathing during a prolonged paralysis episode. The these paralysis episodes being part of his uh, rare disease, which I'll name right here: alternating hemiplegia of childhood or AHC, and. Uh, uh, he had to be uh, induced into a coma again, and they couldn't tell us whether he'd ever come out of it or whether what state his brain would be in because he seized for several hours and um, yeah they and he's, had to oh, put him two
0: in, at this point uh,
1: yes yeah he's yeah. twenty twenty months old and uh, um, you know we didn't know what what was going to happen and and I like to say that he came through it basically unscathed, but uh, his parents did not. That yeah. was a very traumatic event that. Yeah, you hear certain ICU bells and you know beeps and boops and takes you back to that time. I can imagine, right, right then and there. But um, again, there was where I was, you yeah, know, for a moment tempted. Fortunately, you know, the grace of God has been strong within there. That 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 hasn't even really been much of a thought. It was like, okay, I could drink or I could go lean on the tools I've been given me, and, and the choice was pretty pretty clear to, to go ahead and, and lean on God.
0: That's incredible. And, and so, uh, Jeff, you've, you've explained, um, a little bit about Matthew's birth, um, and a little bit about that traumatic experience of, of almost, uh, being two and not knowing if he was going to wake up from this or not. Um, since then, um, I, I know, you know, even Matthew's diagnosis is, is a complicated series of words that are difficult to understand um, unless you live it. Um, What does Matthew's everyday life look like?
1: Well, we can talk about AHC in terms of some diseases that people might understand and, yeah. and understand some of the symptoms of. So uh, when he's having these paralysis episodes, uh, they can either be one side of his body or his entire body. So you imagine a f- almost 15-year-old, five, four, 100 pounds suddenly going completely limp. Yeah, Real challenge, but it looks like a stroke, but he's not having a stroke. It's a rare genetic uh, disease that it was a spontaneous mutation that happened. Uh, But then when he's not uh, paralyzed, he will have movement problems like cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then he will have uh, occasional uh, seizures or altered consciousness states that look like epilepsy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then he'll have tremors that look like Parkinson's, and he has some neurodegeneration that is like Alzheimer's. He has... uh, learning disabilities like autism. In fact, he has the autism diagnosis, uh, on the severe side and, um, behavioral problems like ADHD. So impulsivity, uh, anger outbursts, things of that nature. So you put all of that together and that is Matthew's day-to-day life.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and our day-to-day life. Yeah. As that's an what I was going to say,
0: you know, in, in that, you know, uh, you and Renee, um, I think care for Matthew really, really well. I mean, it's, it's 24 hour care, um, that I've been able to see. And, and, uh, as I spend time with Renee, whether it's in stewardship meetings or you and I, and some of our, uh, discipleship meetings, uh, before, you know, some of the stories, uh, of, of late nights or difficulty, um, it's something that, that a typical family doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. And I think, with your journey into sobriety and also your living out as a father and a husband um, in a family with a with a child that has severe special needs had really inspired you and pushed you to make a career change and also like a, a ministry um, change in your own life. And so tell us a little bit about that, what you're doing and, and how that, transpired.
1: Sure. Um, So I've been for the the past uh, quarter century selling software uh, for a living. And um, before Matthew was born, we were in a Bible study class called Disciple One. We were in the Methodist church at the time. And everybody in there said, I should be in ministry. And actually, I should be in some sort of counseling profession type ministry. And uh, I was shocked by that. Although my (laughs) bachelors is in psychology and, uh, you know, it served me well in sales, but then, uh, God continued to tap on my shoulders. So when I was off on trips for, for selling, I'd wind up next to, um, pastors or counselors and, yeah. and just in random conversations, uh, would wind up, you know, mm-hmm. realizing that. And so that was kind of God's here's your sign. And then when Matthew uh, was born and had all his complications, you know, I sought the um, counsel of a pastoral counselor, one, to see what it was all about, and two, really to work through the yeah. faith struggle in there. And that process there really was the catalyst that said, hey, God has blessed me to be a blessing to others. And I use, you know, John chapter 9, the the story of the man born blind, is kind of mm. my touchstone uh, verses for that, because it's not to wonder why something has happened, whether it's my fault or parents' sins or any mm. of that 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 the, the apostles ask of Jesus. It's, what are you going to do with the circumstances to bring glory to God? Goodness. That's the big message in there, and that's what uh, accelerated me into going into seminary. And so I had spent 10 years, did it very part-time through Asbury Theological Seminary, and uh, have two degrees now: one in a uh, Master of Divinity, and one in pastoral counseling. And I have started a uh, pastoral counseling practice called Agape pa- Pastoral Counseling, and I do that on a very part-time basis right now. But the intention yeah. is that in the next few years to be able to work that up to a to a full-time income replacement or make adjustments to where the income will meet the needs for my family.
0: Yeah. That, that was a joy of mine to be able to walk through that, that process with you and our elders to commission you in that and walk through just even qualifications of deacon and elders and, and the things that um, would put you in a position character-wise, um, outside of the degree-wise, to be able to do a ministry like this. And one of the aspects that you have and that we've talked about a lot in that process is the unique ability to minister to families uh, that have children with special needs and the unique uh, hardships that come on marriages and families through that. And a lot of people just just don't understand uh, the day in and day out um, difficulties with that. You know, and I think uh, you've helped me see some of those things very graciously. Um it, it, if there was a spot that you could, you know, as, as we're speaking to the majority of exchange now, if, if there was a few key things that says, man, if you have a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, uh, a relative, maybe someone in your life that God has placed you in their circle, um, that that they have a, a child or uh, someone in their life with special needs, and um, maybe, maybe they... They don't understand exactly. If there's a few points that you could say, "Hey, here's some some really easy ways that you can practically care for those in your life uh, with this." What would a couple of those be?
1: Um, help them with some of the day-to-day chores. Okay, Uh, you know that's first thing because again, life is so busy just caring for the child. Oftentimes you know we don't get the chance to to do a lot of the household things like you know mow the yard yeah. uh, you know clean the house things like yeah. that we're we're blessed that we you know have income to where we do hire folks to to do some of those things but a lot of those families do not in fact a lot of them you know a lot of times they may be even single parent situations because of the stress that that put on a marriage and mm. destroyed the marriage or they may be working so hard to pay the medical aspects uh, of a child or, or get them the special therapies that they need. So they don't have the time to do those basic things. So even bringing them a meal and also it's a very isolating thing to be the parent uh, of a special child. So just go visit. Yeah. Stop in, you know, call them and say, well, first I'll call up. Don't, don't just drop by because sometimes that can be yeah. uh, disruptive, but uh, make, make time to, to just go visit, just come and say hello. Yeah, and and invite them to to things for you. Yeah, yeah, you know, that you put on, even if they have to keep declining because of whatever circumstances sure, are going let on with it, their let child. Give them the, keep keep yeah. keep inviting. Yeah, because you know a lot of times we miss out on things here at the church, uh, such as the picnics or things like that, because you know we're we're hoping to go, but then Matthew's having a bad day or things like that, or, or we're anticipating that, no, that's not going to go well. So we don't go, but it's a day by day decision. It's a day by day day decision. So keep the invites coming and and make, make a special effort to, to go visit with them.
0: Yeah. Keep the invites coming. Uh, reach out. Uh, don't be offended when you say we can't today. Um, just continue to, to pursue that relationship. And I, I, one of the things that I learned you were really gracious with and, um, you know, I, I think uh, initially uh, when you guys came in, you know, like I was, I was always uh, excited to see Matthew. I would engage Matthew. Um, you guys would bring him in, uh, in into the lobby, and, I'd, you know, I would try to engage him. And in that process, uh, sometimes you and Renee were lost in that. And, you know, I, I, you probably don't even remember this, but at, at one point um, you, you said, like, a lot of times people – Uh, end up engaging Matthew and, and we'll walk past, you know, in a certain way. And, and that was really helpful for me to, to, um, engage everyone in that. And, um, certainly not, not bypass Matthew, but also understand that, that you guys have shared that morning with Matthew. And if he's had a rough morning, most likely so have you. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that was really helpful for me to understand and and learn and, and walk in. Um, and I think you know, as you continue and and grow in your uh, pastoral counseling practice, we've talked a lot about the needs. Well, you've already mentioned some the the statistics on marriages aren't great um, uh, with with uh, special needs in the family. There's added pressures and. And stresses and and things like that. And so, now what's what's some of the things that you and Renee have done that even in the, the difficult seasons have kept you guys together and unified?
1: Well, one of the big things we do is pray together. Mm. We pray together. We also um, try our hardest not to go to bed angry, angry at anybody. We try to give that anger. Away to God and put it at the at the foot of the cross where it belongs. Mm. Um, some of the other things we do is we do uh, we are blessed with um, Renee's sister is close by and uh, has the flexibility to take care of Matthew a lot of the time. So we do have evenings occasionally to ourselves, not nearly enough, but uh, we do have those as well. Mm. So we and we take full advantage of those. Uh, we make sure to um, take precious moments just to express love for each other mm. and those things throughout the day that's not uh, a cliche is really from the heart and, yeah. and we do little things for each other too that you know may not seem like much to others but really when it carries the weight of hey I love you and I care about you and I'm taking a moment out of my busy day just to make sure you know it yeah. And I think those are good things, just for any marriage. now they, you know, they become a little more vital when you have limited time because of uh, needs of a, a child with special circumstances. But yeah. I think those are good things that any uh, any family
0: absolutely. Can well, impress. Jeff, if if someone's listening, maybe someone from Exchange, they they um, have someone in their life that could benefit from. Uh, scheduling some time with you. How can they find your ministry or schedule uh, an appointment with you?
1: Sure. Uh, the uh, website is agapecounselingnc.com. Okay. Or um, they can send me an email and it's jeff.wuchich, W U C H I C H, at agapecounselingnc.com. Or they can call me at 919 706 1409.
0: Okay. Jeff, uh, you are one of the most joyful people that I know. Uh, if you don't know how to find Jeff on a Sunday morning, uh, he's the one that laughs at all of my jokes. Um, and even sometimes when, when I didn't mean to make a joke, uh, Jeff, Jeff will laugh. It makes me feel good. Um, and so Jeff, thank you so much for coming out today, sharing your story So Exchange, I would just challenge you to walk in this story uh, with Jeff and Renee and Matthew. Lean into your own story, and we'll see you next time on Exchanging Stories.